What is going on, everyone? This is Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And here on today's episode, we're back with everybody's favorite game, This or That. So we're going to play that and also go around the hoop and talk about some NBA trade deadline moves we liked and moves we didn't like. So it's going to be a fun episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. And now let me introduce you to the rest of our crew. Yo, what is going on, everybody? Eric, your ranting co-host here. Uh, glad to be back. I had some situations that happened last week that kind of prevented me from being here, but I'm glad to be back and uh, talk another episode, ready to talk some defensive players in football and uh, the trades from the NBA and all that good stuff. So let's do this. Sorry, What's guys. going on? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Zach is having issues. Yeah. What's going on, guys? This is Connor, the co-host with the most. And uh, I'm pretty excited to talk about defensive players. Uh, I played defense when I played football, so it's definitely my side of the ball. So, um, And especially since this time there's a Steelers player, hint, 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 wink, wink, uh, involved here. So I'm, ex- <laughs> so I'm excited. <laughs> What's up, guys? It's Nate here. Uh, like Connor, I played um on the defensive side when I played throughout high school and all that. So I'm looking forward to this topic too. Um, decided to talk about some guys that we usually don't, you know, I mean, they're star players, but you know, they're not like the quarterbacks and receivers that get as much uh, time. So it'll be fun to talk about that. Yeah, definitely, man. So this, and we also got um, NBA trade deadline, all those NBA trades. We'll talk about the ones that we liked and like, so that should be fun too. But um, but yeah, as, as we said before, this or that is back. So, uh, the way this works, if you've never heard us play this game before is we present two, uh, similar caliber type of players, you know, two pro bowlers, um, sort of deal, uh, with each other. And it's simple as that you, this or that, which one do you prefer? If you were making a team, which player you think is better right now? Um, not necessarily what players had the better career, but what what player you would take moving forward. Um, and for this specific edition, I tried to do a lot of um, guys that are in the same division, so interdivisional matchups. So that makes things so much more interesting when you see like Bears and Packers players up against each other. You know, Steelers, Browns. You will see that one first. Um, so that makes things all the more exciting. So hopefully you guys enjoy and let us know in the comments on Twitter if you agree or disagree with our takes. But uh, let's go ahead and just get this thing started, guys. So um, this first set of guys is going to be linebackers and edge guys. Um, I kind of just combined them all. But our first uh, scenario for players to take, we have Miles Garrett for Cleveland and TJ Watt for Pittsburgh. So um, I'll say mine first and then Eric, Connor, Nate can follow. I'm going to go team Garrett. Team what? Team Miles Garrett. Just kidding, TJ. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, team Garrett. Okay. So uh, we're split down the middle. Two of us picked Garrett. Two of us picked Watt. Um, I'll go, I'll let Connor start with his reason, obviously, for why he picked T.J. Watt out of this pair. I mean, 
aside from my personal bias being a Steelers fan, I think it's just pretty obvious to me that TJ Watt can do a whole lot more than Miles Garrett can do. Miles Garrett's pretty much a pass rusher, and that's it. But TJ Watt, he can pass rush, he can cover, he can, you know, he can stop the run, he can do anything for you. Miles um, Garrett's decent against the run too, but TJ Watt is just a more dynamic player than Miles Garrett is. I mean, you're not going to see Miles Garrett getting interceptions or anything like that. Um, you know, both force a high amount of fumbles. Um, and I think the other thing for me that elevates TJ Watt over Miles Garrett is that although he hasn't won it yet, which uh, there's, I'm kind of upset that he didn't win it this year. Uh, maybe last year he didn't have as much of a case, but this year I think he should have gotten it. But he is, is a two-time runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and Miles Garrett, although he's been in the conversation, has never really kind of been close to tasting that award, unlike TJ Watt has. So seems pretty easy for me. All right. Uh, so, Nate, let's hear from you. You picked uh, Team Garrett along with me. Why... Uh... Why'd you go with Garrett? Yeah, so I agree with uh, Connor. He's not, you know, as versatile of a player um, as TJ Watt, kind of more, you know, by virtue of him being like a pure, like, defensive end, more of like a straight-up pass rusher. But I gave him the edge just because I think he's a little bit more of, like, just as a pass rusher, I think he has a little bit more to offer just in terms of, um, you know, his size, strength, all that stuff, and, uh, just in terms of playing in Cleveland, they've gotten better as a roster, uh, obviously last year. But I, I think I mean he's played under more like defensive coordinators and um, hasn't had a whole lot of talent, you know, around him as much as the Steelers had like Bud Dupree and some of those guys help. Now I think if um, these offseason moves kind of uh, work out right for Cleveland with um, the guys they brought in, he could definitely like maybe put up some better numbers and. Um, kind of more of like a force as a just pure pass rusher with some other help on the other side of the line there. Yeah, that's Nate basically said all the reasons why I, <laughs> I picked Garrett. Just like I feel like he does play on like a weaker line and, and that's a benefit for him. Uh, whereas Watt has all those guys on that line helping him out. Can't really get double double teamed uh, when you have all those guys on that defensive front. Uh, but moving on now. We have another divisional rivalry here. So uh, Bears and Packers fans, you know, don't agree on much. And this is another thing I'm sure that they don't agree on. But uh, who would you guys take out of this uh, this pair of players? We have Khalil Mack for the Bears and Zadarius Smith for the Packers. I'm going to go Team Smith. Team Smith. I'm also going to go Team Smith. I'll be different here and go Team Mac. All right. Glad uh, we had one different opinion <laughs> on this one. Um, but, yeah, I went with Smith just because um, he's really had a lot of production that seems to go underrated. Um, I think it was like two years ago he he missed out on the Pro Bowl, but it was one of the biggest Pro Bowl snubs because uh, I guess just there was a lot of big names in the NFC, big big name pass rushers and when it comes to pro bowls i don't think you can really take them with a grain of salt because it's all a popularity contest and you know age is a big factor in it um they give the older guys the the nod a lot of times but even still i think mac to me has never been the same player after leaving oakland like he's been good with chicago but also at the same time 
they have a great defense around him and he's never it's never been just him it always feels like on chicago's defense there's like leonard floyd roquan smith like just all these other guys are on the defense that were making plays as well um whereas with the packers i feel like yeah they have a couple good pieces on defense but it's really not that good but zadaria smith is like a scary force and definitely like when i watch him play he's he's sneaky like and and he's he had production with i think baltimore before he went to green bay so um it's been a very good signing for them and i think right now too max had some injuries i believe so i would i would lean smith but it's still pretty close nate um why are you going with max instead i just think that max track record is a little bit longer is why i'm giving him the edge i think um, Smith definitely um, has put up better production uh, the last couple of years. I think aside from I agree with you. Like aside from Max's first year in Chicago, his production has kind of been you know dropped off since he left Oakland. But um, I just think that over the course of his career, he's had more like double digit sack seasons and just like you know we kind of know he's a freak and it's it doesn't always show with the stats. But I think you know I think. Uh, talent-wise, he's been there his whole career, whereas with Smith, it's like, if you look at his Baltimore stats, it's like, you know, he only had, like, I think his best season in Baltimore is like, five sacks or eight sacks or something like that, and then he's uh, broke out the last couple of years, but I think um, for me to give him the edge, I like I just like to see him, you know, come back this year and put up another big season and um, all that. He's definitely one of the best rushers in the league. I think both these guys are right up there, but uh, I'm just going to give um, Mac the the slight edge here because he's been doing it for a little bit longer. Yeah, that's understandable. I definitely use that logic when it comes to some other people as well. Like if you've been doing it for longer, you're more proven, even if you're a couple of years older. But next up here, um, before we finish the defensive line slash linebacker part of the defensive this or that, we have an AFC South matchup here between these two linebackers. So they do different roles, obviously but still linebackers, and we have um, Darius Leonard from the Colts and Miles Jack from the Jaguars. So obviously, you know, the bias and all, I'm going to take uh, Miles Jack. Miles Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Team Darius Leonard. I'm Team Leonard as well. All right, so we got a 2-2 split. Not surprised the two Jags fans took Miles Jack. <laughs> um, so, Eric, uh, what about Miles Jack has really impressed you the most, and what made you pick him over Leonard, who's also very good? Well, the reason why I picked Miles Jack, uh, a lot of people may not know this because obviously the Jags don't get many primetime games, but Miles Jack he kind of struggled early on in his career, but a, a big reason for that was because his first few seasons, they really had him playing out of position. Like I remember when he first started with Gus Bradley, he had him playing some weird, like auto linebacker, like a strong side linebacker that he called an auto or a lotto or some garbage like that. But it, it was a position that was not a good fit for him at all. And then after that, they moved him to middle linebacker, uh, they wanted him to like captain the defense and be a middle linebacker, but that's not really his strength either. And then last year they finally got it right 
they put him at weak side linebacker, which is where he was meant to play. And he thrived last year because of that. And we really got to finally see Miles Jack like play to his full potential. Now, if this was a season or two ago, I even as a Jags fan, I would have picked Darius Leonard. But his first couple of seasons, I mean, he was elite, and obviously he's still really good. But I noticed this past season, I saw him get burnt in coverage more than usual. I just He wasn't as effective as usual. Obviously, he's still got a lot of tackles and everything, and he's all over the field. But I felt like Leonard had a little bit of a slip in his production uh, last season, whereas Miles Jack has now, like, elevated and reached more of his potential. So if I'm starting a franchise today, I would pick Miles Jack. I think he's only going to get better. Yeah, man, I definitely you you hit it on the nail on the head there. Like Leonard last year to me, he started out the season real slow. He got better as the season went along, but I think compared to his other years, he still was a little bit down. Whereas, like you said with Jack, they finally put him at a, at his natural position. He really thrived and was doing so much stuff. Um, I still would like to see the penalties cut down a little bit. He gets some penalties every now and then. But another plus for, um, for Jack is uh, this year he, did the, he had his best season uh, without Calais Campbell, without Yannick Ngakwe, no Ramsey. Nobody else really a notable stature on the defense, but he was still um, producing. And that, to me, spoke volumes as well. That that defense was pitiful, but he was the lone bright spot um, and really kept us in games single-handedly um, on the defense. So that's, that's why I'm going, Jack. But, Connor, uh, why are you picking Leonard instead? <laughs> well, first of all, with Darius Leonard, I know, well, I guess more so with Miles Jack. Um, to me, the sign of a great linebacker, because this doesn't quite apply to edge rushers anymore since that's kind of become like its own special position, but like for a good linebacker, you should be able to, I mean, like I know he's been playing out of position, but you should, I'm not saying that you should do fantastic when you're not playing at your natural like weak side linebacker, but you should still be able to do good anywhere on the field if you're a really good linebacker. Um, I know Darius Leonard hasn't had to play out of position because, you know, he's obviously, he's been the main guy since day one. But And his, uh, just... his, co- his coaches were smart and knew how to play right. him where he, where he probably plays. <laughs> right. Gus Bradley. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it, to me, it's just like, I think that still does hurt him, in my opinion. Like how kind of, you know, obviously he was still really good, but, you know, the struggles that he had early in his career still kind of put him down for me and also I just look at what Darius Leonard's been able to accomplish compared to Miles Jack seeing as how Darius Leonard has played 30 less games so like two full seasons less than Miles Jack and he still outranks him in pretty much every stat category like Miles Jack has him beat like by five on tackles or something but like other than that it's all Darius Leonard um you know and he's he's really the heart and soul of that Colts defense like I know you know, the Colts have a lot of other players on that, you know, it's a good defense, but the Jaguars had a lot of good players too for a long time. You know, back in 2017, that defense was the best in the league, you know, with Calais Campbell and Miles Jack. And of course, in the secondary, you had Ramsey and AJ Boye. So, um, you know, both players have played on good teams. So 
I just put it more like I said, Darius Leonard's accomplished more. I think he's a better player. I think he's proved it that he's a better player. And, you know, I I don't know. I just, Darius Leonard's also still young. You know, like I said, he's got two full seasons less under him than Miles Jack. So there's only room, if Darius Leonard's already an all-pro linebacker, you know, and he was when he was a rookie, pretty much, I, you know, this guy could turn into one of the all-time greats. We'll agree to disagree. Miles <laughs> well, so, Jack is 25. It's not like he's like 35 or something. No, no. For, for, no I'm not saying Miles Jack is old, but like I said, Darius Leonard, like, <laughs> like Miles Jack, he's only just now getting to that point where, you know, okay, now we need to see it for another season. Yeah. You know, but Darius Leonard's already had that. Like he's already proved he can do it for multiple seasons. I'll say this. I'm still waiting for the day they put Miles Jack in at running back because he used to do that at UCLA also. He was like a <laughs> position guy. One of those I'm still casual. waiting. They never once put him at a at running back. I'm like, come on, like they gotta maybe do they, this eventually. Come on, man. Maybe maybe they should do that, but then pull like a Don Terry Poe and throw a pass or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah get everybody off the card. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if that ever happens. Um Moving on now, we're going to talk about the cornerback position specifically. So these three pairs are all great corners in the NFL, different skills and attributes with each other. But uh, this first pairing, we have keeping the theme of divisional uh, matchups. We have Stefan Gilmore for the Patriots and Tredavious White for the Buffalo Bills. So I'm going to go Team White. Team White. As much as it pains me, I have to go team Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, as a Pats fan, I hate to say this, but team white. Wow, okay. <laughs> oh, I guess that's, that's that surprising. There. <laughs> but hey, uh, no bias. Uh, that's, I can respect that. Uh, so let's hear from Nate, I guess, just to start out. Why, why are you picking white, Nate, being a Pats fan in, in all? Yeah, I mean, just kind of like, this is um, more like who would you want, you know, if you're building a team right now, I would take White just because he's a little bit younger. Not that Gilmore is old and run down, but it's like, you know, with corners, it's like, you know, they hit that one year and this is all kind of downhill from there. It's like they have a very fast drop off. I'm not saying Gilmore is going to, you know, fall off this season, but I just think that um, Trey White's definitely like at least one of the top three guys in the game, in my opinion, and he's just probably going to keep getting better because he's so young and all that. Whereas Gilmore, I think, was the best for a solid three, you know, two, three years there. And then um, he kind of took a little bit of a step back. I think J.C. Jackson's a better option on the Pats right now. So, um, yeah, we'll see what they're even talking about, like, trading him maybe. So, see what happens there. But I think White uh, is who I would go with right now. Yeah, and, and the thing I'll throw in there to add in for Whiteside before we move over to um, Gilmore is I think something also too, a criticism you can say about Gilmore is maybe like he's only really had great success with the Belichick defense. And like, you know how they always say it's like, is it is it the scheme or the player? Like, obviously, he's really talented and all, but like he still I, I still that comes up in my mind when i think of gilmore i do think a little bit of like the bill belichick defensive scheme like and all the good defenders they they had for so many years on that team like it wasn't just him obviously so right. if he if he had gone to like a random team and put up real good numbers like yeah then maybe i'd be more on the gilmore side but for white um 
being on his former team and having a lot more success to the Bills. I think that's more impressive. But Connor, uh, why are you going to make the case for Gilmore? Well, I guess uh, the first point, opposite to what you said, you know, you talked about Stefan Gilmore played on, you know, the Patriots had a really good other players. You got to remember, too, when he played on the Bills, that was one of the worst defenses in the NFL when he played on the Bills. Uh, or at least maybe not one of the worst defenses in home, but one of the worst secondaries in the NFL. Like the Bills had major problems in the secondary when he was there. Um, it wasn't until really that they brought in Tredavious White that I got better. Um, they brought in White and then they brought in like Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer to play safety. So um, I don't knock him too much for his time in Buffalo. There was obviously a reason why he, they traded him. But, you know, Bill Belichick, he does have an ability to bring out the best in everyone. And he brought out the best in Stephon Gilmore. Um, another thing that I equate to Stephon Gilmore is that he actually, unlike Tredavious White, on the majority of the occasions, shadow, Stephon Gilmore will shadow the team's best receiver. Whereas Stephon Gilmore, not Stephon Gilmore, Tredavious White will... He does shadow occasionally, but for the most part, he kind of pulls like a Richard Sherman type thing where he stays on one side of the field a lot of the time. Um, so and it's kind of one of the reasons why his target count is so low, because a lot of times teams, you know, if he's not shadowing a big receiver, then, you know, they're just going to put like their third string receiver on him and just not even care. You know, they're like, OK, well, he'll cover that person like this scrub over here. So we'll, you know, we'll take and put Devonte Adams or, you know. Tyree Kill or whoever and put them over here on the other corner like Levi Wallace um, since Tredavious White's not going to follow them. <clears throat> but the other thing with Tredavious White too is just maybe it's just me because I've watched a lot of Bills games but I have seen him get burned so many times like over the course of watching the Bills this year I can't tell you how many times I saw a like a big play or a touchdown and I was like oh that was a blown coverage by Tredavious White again like or up oh, Tredavious White had to get bailed out by the safety barely because he blew a coverage again. So I don't know. Maybe it's just me because I've watched all these Bills games, but I feel like he gets burned way more than almost any corner I've seen, except for maybe another person later on this list. So, (laughs) yeah, um, but yeah, that's why. And like I said, Gilmore, he's a former defensive player of the year, too. It's just, you know, maybe he is starting to go on that downward trend, but he's not there yet. So um, I'm sticking with stuff on Gilmore. Yeah, and speaking of those next people, we have another matchup. Now, this is the only one that's not really... I guess we have another one that's not um, same division, but the AFC East has so many corners that uh, Xavier Howard here, I had to put him in a matchup against Jalen Ramsey. So, um, Jalen Ramsey. (laughs) (laughs) So so we have Jalen Ramsey, obviously, and Xavier Howard. So I'm going to go Team Ramsey. Oh God, Team Ramsey! <laughs> yeah, I have to go Team Ramsey. Yeah, I can't even be different here on this one. I gotta go Ramsey too. All right, so this is our first unanimous. <laughs> I, I believe this is the first unanimous uh, one matchup here. So uh, I'll say something quick about Ramsey, and then um, then I'll let Nate speak about him. But I've seen him play in person, and I've seen him up close. Um, and he is like the prototypical, like if you were to design a corner, like his physicals are what you would want in a corner, like his size and everything, not saying the other guys aren't good at what they do, but he just has that, you know, you can't teach that, you know, you can't teach size and all that stuff. 
which he has. And then to come to also add on to it, he has, um, it just seems like he really improved this last year, you know, last year or two years ago, he had the trade and it was kind of a bad season for him, but he really played well last year and it was on a great defense, but still, um, he, he consistently did a good job and, He's kept just Devontae Adams hitter. in check. <laughs> he kept Devontae Adams in check. He's a hard hitter. Really, uh, it, you know, I don't like it now, but he's a great trash talker as well. Like, he gets in people's heads. <laughs> That's like, it's it's underrated, but it's actually, like, it affects them. Because I know that one time he said something to A.J. Green and caused him to, like, get ejected in a fight. So, like, he gets in, he gets in people's heads um and he's shut down deandre hopkins a lot of times also and that's another thing too deandre hopkins top two three receiver in the nfl and he's consistently shut him down in arizona and houston so um so yeah it pains me to say it but you know he is elite so i'm gonna have to go ramsey nate anything i said there that i missed what else about ramsey do you want to add on before we move forward i mean you touched on most of it i think he he looked i mean he was shut down with the Jags for those couple of years. And like you said, he had a little bit of a down season um, after they traded him. But I think he bounced back last year and he doesn't show any signs of uh, slowing down. So I you know, I think he's probably talent-wise, I'd say, best corner uh, in the game right now. He bounced back from trying to start a fight with Marcus Peters and having to get carried uh, off yeah. the field. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> never forget they held him back or he would have whipped Marcus Peters. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll never forget that because that was the uh, the so, the episode that Eric and I did the one episode without yeah. Zach and we covered that on that episode. We did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <you're> right. <laughs> okay, and then the last pair of corners we have on this list: um, Jairi Alexander for the Green Bay Packers and Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints. So two NFC corners, roughly the same age, obviously. Uh, wear the same number too. Actually, I just saw that now. Um, <laughs> both wear twenty three, but this is a real this is a real real tough one. But I'm gonna go Team Lattimore, Team Jiri. Oh, uh, uh, opposite to Zach. Aside from the uh, dealers players not included, this was actually the easiest decision for me to go Team Jiri. Yeah, I'm t- I'm Team Jair as well. Oh wow, okay. Um, so I'll, I'll start off. Like I said, I can't, I was going back and forth on this one, like, uh, for what I wanted to pick, but I know he's got some, uh, felony gun charges or something like that maybe coming. So like, that's scary, but, um, assuming, you know, with these NFL players, it seems like if you're good, the legal system, uh, you know, tends to shuffle these under the rug. So we'll see if that happens. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what'll happen, but I did hear that story. I don't know if that factored in any of y'all's uh, pick, but um, no. with Lattimore. Okay. <laughs> um, but with uh, with Lattimore, I, I think he's really, really good. Um, it's He stands out to me watching Saints games like... Um, not too much i don't know like what to say other than the fact that like i've watched both of them and from what i watch like Lattimore seems to do a little bit better but it's close um but you guys seem to make this more uh for alexander so i guess eric i'll start with you why did you uh why'd you pick alexander yeah well this this one was 
tough for me too, but uh, I guess the reason why I'm going with Jairi and kind of like a reason why I also went with Zadarius Smith. I mean, those two guys are like the two main guys like on that defense. Whereas like with Marshawn Lattimore, he has a lot of other help around him. Kind of like what you guys talked about with TJ Watt and the Steelers and, uh, we've talked about like how with Leonard and the Colts and all that stuff, like uh, that's kind of the reason why I went with him here. I feel like Jairi has shined. Uh, I mean, they're both really good. This one was really tough for me as well. I kind of had the harder time. Their stats are pretty similar. Like you said, they're about the same age, but uh, for me, it's more of just like a slight edge to Jairi, but I'm kind of curious about Connor because Connor said that this was like yeah. the easiest decision for him. So I kind of <laughs> want to hear what Connor has to say on this. Yeah, let's, let's hear I it. I mean, it might be pretty anticlimactic, but I did mention when I was talking about uh, Tredavious White that I've seen one corner get burned more than Tredavious White, and that was Marshawn Lattimore watching all the, the Saints games that I watched. Like, good Lord, he could not cover anything last season from what I saw when I watched him. So I don't know, maybe it was just the games I watched, but... He looked like he was, you know, headed for maybe New Orleans was going to trade him or something when I was watching him. I was like, man, what is this guy doing? Like, isn't he supposed to be like one of the best corners in the league? And it just seems like every time there's a catch, like it's his receiver that's getting the catch. So I don't know. <laughs> that's why I picked Jair. And also, like you guys said, he plays on a worse team than Lattimore. So, yeah. Uh, moving on now, uh, we'll go to the final th- group of three. We've got safeties. Um, this first pairing is some AFC West rivals, Justin Simmons or Tired Matthew. I'm going to go Team Matthew. Team Matthew. This was a tough one for me, but I'm going to go with Team Simmons. And Team Matthew. All right, so three Matthews and one Simmons. Um, Nate, I guess I'll just uh, ask you first. Uh, why did you pick Matthew instead of Simmons? Um, I'm just a fan of Matthews because I mean, Super Bowl uh, notwithstanding, I think he's um, one of the most like versatile like defensive players out there. I mean, he can really be lined up, you know, safety. Uh, he plays a little bit of corner, like nickel slot. You know, um, plays you know in linebacker sometimes, rushes the passer a little bit. Kind of does what you know anything on the field. He's got the speed, um, you know, just overall athleticism. And um, I think I haven't watched enough of Simmons. I just haven't seen a lot of Broncos games in the last year um, to know, you know, for sure what he's capable of. I know he's one of the best out there right now. But I think um, Matthew, even though he's getting a little bit older, I think just that versatility is like, you know, there's not very many guys um, who've been able to do all the stuff that he does for, and he's done it for multiple uh, teams and, you know, defensive schemes and everything. He just keeps uh, producing everywhere he goes. So I think um, even back to like in college at LSU, like he's just a special uh, athlete there. So I, that's who I would take if I was um, starting a team here. All right. And then Connor, you went with Simmons, the only one going to Simmons. So uh, I know you said it was tough, but why did you pick him? Yeah, I picked Justin Simmons just because the thing for Tyron Matthew for me is I feel like 
I don't know. I feel like maybe he's lost part of his game in a way from like when I used to watch him when he was on the uh, when he was on the Cardinals. Like, you know, it feels like he used to be able to do everything from cover and tackle and blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying he's a bad tackler or anything, but I don't know. I feel like he's kind of, you know, gone back into a role where more so the only thing he's good for is interceptions, which obviously that's obviously a good thing. But I don't know. I feel like Justin Simmons just does more to help the defense than Tyron Matthew does. Like, I feel like, you know, if we're taking the value of a player, I feel like Justin Simmons is more valuable to the Broncos than Tyron Matthew is valuable to the Chiefs. And like, because both these defenses are not fantastic. It's not like either one of them plays on a really good defense. Um, But I just feel like the Chiefs would be okay without Tyron Matthew. Whereas I feel like the Broncos, like they would be losing a big portion, like a, a big, big gap in their defense without Justin Simmons. Um, like I said, I feel like he just does a little bit more of the other things, whereas Tyron Matthew seems like he's kind of gone back into, you know, he's a great cover guy, but maybe he's lost a step in other parts of the games, whereas I feel like Simmons is still, um, you know, at the top of his game in every portion of, you know, being a safety, because you're asked to do a lot as a safety. You're not just a cover person like a cornerback. So um, I feel like he's got the all-around game. Yep, and then... Staying out west, we have another pair of safeties here. Going to the NFC now, we have Jamal Adams for the Seahawks and Buda Baker on the Cardinals. So Seahawks and Cardinals here. I'm going to go Team Baker. Team Baker. Team Baker. Team Baker. All right, cool. So we have another uh, <laughs> another unanimous one. And I'll, I, I, I want to talk about this one for a second, because I have some things to say about Jamal Adams. Um, <laughs> uh He is the ultimate, like, boomer bust type of safety. I feel like he's also, like, a terrible safety and just, like, a good defensive player. Um, That's a weird and... analogy right there. <laughs> a terrible safety, but a good defensive player. I, because as a safety, I know you're saying they're asked to do a lot, but coverage-wise, he's, you know, lower tier. Uh, whereas I think Buda Baker is a lot better in that aspect. And their careers are totally trending in opposite directions. Jamal Adams started off his rookie year. He was amazing. Everyone's talking about Jamal Adams. Buda Baker, the first couple of years, kind of went unrecognized. And then, like, for the past two years now, it's completely flip-flopped. Whereas, like, uh, Buda Baker's starting to do a lot better now. Jamal Adams doing a lot worse. And... As far as like, um, as far as him, like obviously he was traded for two first round picks. That was a way, that was way, way over uh, compensated by the Seahawks. There, the Jets they got a steal there, getting two first round picks for him because, um, what did he do for the Jets? The Jets were never in the playoff contention in his time with New York. I know they got worse when he left, but that was because of a lot of other reasons. Um, and he just whined and quit his way out of there, kind of like Ramsey did at the end. Like it was just, just left me in a bad, he just left a bad taste in my mouth. And, uh, people call him blitz boy because that's all he seems to do. Well, I don't know if you've, if any of y'all have ever heard of that nickname, but they call him blitz boy. Cause he just blitzes. Um, and he, it seems also like he plays as far as what I was saying about earlier, bad safety, like. It seems like a lot of times he goes rogue on the field and like does whatever he wants. So that's why I'm people have been really 
hyping Jamal Adams up the last couple of years and stuff. And I've just never been a one. I've always valued a lot of other safeties on my board ahead of him. So I do like Buda Baker quite a bit. He's not the best safety, but I think he's just better than Adams because Adams is interesting. You know, just he's just, a, I don't know. I don't know when I don't want to say anything more, but, uh, but yeah, team Baker all the way there. And then we will round this out with, um, with two guys, some college, uh, rivalry here with like Florida state, Alabama players. Um, they were, I think they grew up around each other. They've always been tied to each other. Um, and that's going to be Minka Fitzpatrick and Derwin James. Uh, Minka was with the dolphins. Obviously he's been traded since then, since he was drafted to the uh, Steelers. So I'll start things off guys. I'm going to go team Minka. Team Minka. Obviously team Minka. Team Minka. All right, so I'll let Connor talk about this one as we have our third runaway of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick, it's just, I don't know, it's been a long time since I've seen a player that, like, maybe I shouldn't say the draft because obviously TJ Watt was in the draft, but it's been a long time since I've seen the, seen the Steelers make a trade for someone that like came in and just had an immediate impact and was like, in my opinion, a big win for the Steelers. Cause it seems like, I don't know. The Steelers just don't do a lot of trading. It seems like, um, you know, they traded up to get Devin Bush, but obviously that was, you know, we're still yet to see if that's to work out or not. Cause Bush, you know, he only has one full season under his belt and, um, you know, last season he tore his ACL. So he sat out most of the year, but this one, you know, I think it was worth it for the Steelers to trade away that first round pick because Mika Fitzpatrick, you know, they desperately needed safety help before he came there. Um, You know, they seemed like every year, you know, the Steelers were complaining about their secondary and and mainly was because I remember watching those games when we had like Mike Mitchell and Sean Davis back there in the secondary and they were just getting burned over and over again. Like, you know, Joe Hayden and, I can't remember. We've had such a roulette of corners. I guess it was already Burns at the time. You know, they were doing everything they could to stop the receivers from getting further back. And then, like you know, you're supposed to be okay once they get past a certain point. The safeties are supposed to help out. And then, as soon as that would happen, like Mike Mitchell would let the you know whoever run for a touchdown at that point, even though they were covered before that. So um, he has a big impact. You know, he gets a lot of interceptions. He's a big tackler. He does a lot to help the defense. Um, you know, he's just a great all-around player. I I think it was definitely worth it for the Steelers to get him, and I hope he stays in the black and gold for many years to come. Black and gold or black and yellow? It's actually <laughs> black and yellow because I've been getting so thrown off because, like, every time I watch something where a team wears black and yellow, maybe it's because I've been watching these App State basketball games and the commentators <laughs> keep saying black and gold. I'm like, our colors are not black and gold. It's black <laughs> and yellow. Shut up. It's just, like, in my head now. Yeah, I, I got you. I got you. Um, yeah, so that's gonna round things out, guys. Let it, like I said, let us know on Twitter. We'll put the links in the description if you're not following us already. But let us know if you agree, disagree with these assessments. Obviously, if you're a fan of one of these teams, you're gonna have strong feelings towards one guy and uh, respect. But also, you know, you always think your guys better, and we basically all did that except for Nate uh, with the, the the Trey White over Gilmore pick, but. Uh, moving on now, we'll go talk about some NBA news before we wrap this episode up. So we had the trade deadline last week, and there was a lot of trades that happened. 
So we're not going to necessarily talk about all of them, but we're just going to be uh, giving our thoughts on one trade that we like and one that we dislike. So I will start things off with we all let's let's hear the good news before the bad news this time. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> usually I'm the type that says give me the bad news first, but we'll we'll do we'll do positive first. Um, so a trade that I really like. Um, happens to involve one of my favorite teams here, the Portland Trailblazers. They traded for Norman Powell, and they gave up in return Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. And this was, I think this is an A-plus move by Neil Olshay, the general manager for the Blazers. Um, You had a situation with Rodney Hood where he was basically injured all of last season, and then this year he's played but he hasn't played well at all. Um, and so getting Rodney Hood off the team, as much as I like him, it was still a good move to deal him out to a team because he wasn't really going to get many minutes moving forward. So you got rid of him. Gary Trent Jr. obviously is a reason the trade went through. He was the main piece that they gave up. But the I'm, I'm a fan of Gary Trent Jr. I think he's really good. The problem is just the position he plays in and the team he's on. If he was on any other team, they probably would not be trading him and they would look to resign him. But uh, what I was afraid of was we keep Gary Trent Jr. And then in the off season, some team way overspends him and they have his bird rights, but like then you're going to have to really overpay to keep him. And he's like a six man coming off the bench because he's not a starter in front of CJ, obviously. So it was a good player, but just not a good fit with the Blazers um, moving forward. You didn't want to have that long-term. You didn't want to have all your cap space at one position on the court. But then they were able to get Norman Powell, who he can play shooting guard, but he's mainly a like a small forward. And he's been averaging quietly. I, I really didn't know much about him before the trade, to be honest, but... Um, He's having a really, really good year with Toronto, and he's had good years too. Like it was a, it was a piece I think that, um, that Toronto, like they was getting interest from a lot of teams around the league, and I'm glad the Blazers were the team that got him. But he's going to have a tremendous impact. I think he'll eventually take over as the starter there, and even in the meantime, like he's still providing instantly for the Blazers uh, points and offense. And he is a better defender, I think, as well, which is something they needed. So I'm a I'm a big fan of this for Portland. They got rid of some stuff that they needed to get rid of because otherwise they would have been for nothing if they let Gary Trent walk. And now they got, I think, a better player and someone that's going to fit the team a lot better. So big fan of Powell, and I'm excited to see him uh, as the year goes on. Um, Eric, tell us about a move that you liked. Yeah, my uh, biggest win during the trade deadline, uh, in my opinion, was the Boston Celtics getting Evan Fournier. Uh, the Celtics have kind of struggled this year, but they, I know they feel like they can still contend. And But obviously, what they were doing wasn't working, and so they needed to get somebody else uh, in that could you know, hopefully make a difference for them. And I think Evan Fournier is going to be a great addition for them. I mean, he's averaging almost 20 points a game, which is pretty solid. And 
uh, and it's not like somebody like Russell Westbrook or something where it's on like eight of 21 shooting or something like that. Most of the time, like most of the time his shooting percentage is pretty good. So he's hitting his shots consistently. Uh, now he did do horrible in his first game as a Celtic, unfortunately, but uh, you know, obviously it's just one game. It's his first game with a new team, new environment. Like, you know, he'll adjust for sure. And he, he's not going to play like that on a nightly basis, obviously. And what I also really liked about it for the Celtics was just that they didn't have to give up anything in return really to get them. They gave up a player that they weren't going to use. They gave up two second round picks, which basically translates to a ham sandwich and a taco. So they, (laughs) they really like gave up nothing to get a 20 point per game scorer. So, I mean, in my opinion, uh, you know, that's a pretty big win for them. So I, I'm a big fan of that move for Boston. Yeah, pains me. But uh, Connor, yeah. um, so Zach, tell Zach's us. going to be getting pained a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> I know how you feel and now. Not, and not um, from the Blazers either. No, no, the Blazers are, are good. But, uh, but Connor, tell us about a, a trade win that you liked. Yeah, so I think the biggest trade win for me <clears throat> that I saw, well, I think that was really good. <clears throat> Sorry, something's in my throat. But um, it was the fact it was Lou Williams got traded to the, the Atlanta Hawks, made a deal for Lou Williams. They got him and they got a second round pick for uh, for giving up Rajon Rondo going back to L.A. But this time with the Clippers, not the Lakers. But um, I think this is a really good move to for the Hawks because the Hawks are obviously they're in the thick of it in the East uh, when it comes to the playoff race. You know, I think it's something like the top, you know, from like seed four to number um from number four to number nine they're separated by like two games so it's very very close the hawks currently do have a playoff spot they're number six right now um you know behind the knicks and the hornets and that range of teams like within two games so um and rajan rondo just really wasn't doing anything for them i mean he was averaging something like four points a game this year you know he's just one of the he's just kind of past his prime um, you know, he's not really going to be a big impact on a team anymore. Like maybe he'll come off the bench and he can do a little something for you. But other than that, you know, he's not going to be a big impact for your team. Whereas I think Lou Williams is a much better option. You know, he's obviously not going to be a big time star because he's also getting up there in age too, but he's definitely an upgrade over Rajon Rondo. Um, so, you know, gives them another option there at the point guard position um, to, do better things when they're out on the court and um, also a second round pick. Like obviously a lot of second round picks don't really turn out to be much sometimes, but you never know. So it's always good to get a draft pick thrown in there, especially when all they were giving up was Rajon Rondo. So um, I'm not sure why the Clippers felt the need to do this. I'm not sure how Rajon Rondo benefits them at all, but I definitely think it benefits the Hawks and, you know, any sort of edge you can get right now in the East is a, important for these teams so yeah i guess they're um, hoping for playoff playoff rondo is what they're hoping for probably (laughs) i I guess because you know playoff p doesn't like to show up so they need uh they need someone else there but yeah (laughs) hawks definitely need help because it's i say it's a dogfight. i I mean i hope the hornets can stay in it but you know maybe the hornets should have done something like this after losing Lamelo ball for the rest of the year so i think i think the hawks made a good move going out and getting this yeah, and now we're going to transition to 
the moves we didn't like. So I will start that off. I didn't want to talk about the magic stuff. I just I just didn't want to do it. But um, <laughs> another another one of these moves that I kind of scratched my head out a little bit, really with the fit, um, and that's going to be Victor Oladipo traded to Miami. Now, if you're asking me, I think this is losers all around because um, I heard a, a report that Houston could have just had uh, Karis Levert in that James Harden trade. But instead, they wanted um, Victor Oladipo from Indiana. So Karis LeVert went to Indiana, and then Oladipo went to Houston. And it was just not a good time there for him in Houston. And he basically asked to be traded, I think. And they wanted to get rid of him because they knew they wouldn't re-sign him. So it was just a bad situation for Houston. And then in return, they get like nothing from Miami. So as far as like Miami giving up assets, that's not a a loss for Miami. They didn't really give up much, but it's just um, the player on the team part is not very good because Miami is actually getting back a lot of players from injury. Um, So they're going to be a much healthier team. And I just don't see how Oladipo is going to fit into their current rotation. Like I think he's going to kind of, be forced to play minutes uh, because they have him. But I don't think he really, I don't think he improves their team at all. And I don't think um, this, you know, makes them a contender in the East. And also, if you're asking me right now, I don't think he re-signs with them either. So I think it's just like a rental sort of thing. They tried to make a splash. I think it would have been, they would have been better served if they like, made a bigger splash for somebody else. Um, but it's just, I don't see how he fits well with Miami personally he could be wrong, but I just don't like the new team he's on. And, and I don't think he's going to stay with, with Miami. So um, just going to be one of those, like when you look back and see Victor Oladipo played half a season for Miami in 2021. Oh, that's, I forgot about that. I think that's how it's going to be seen uh, in history's eyes. Um but that's my take. Eric, tell us about a trade loss that uh, that you think happened. Yeah, I know. I mean, obviously, Zach knows this, and I know Zach agrees with this, but he's not going to like to hear it. But I kind of broke the rules a little bit here. And for me, I just – I have a <coughs> loss here for the Magic with all of their trades. I, I don't think any move they made was good. I – felt like they could have done way better um and anybody that knows me you know like these guys know like like i'll be quick to you know tear my team down and rebuild it if i feel like it's not working and obviously that's what the magic needed to do so you might think well if if they're going to rebuild and that's what you like to do like why do you think this is a loss uh my my problem is it's not that they're going into a rebuild my problem is is the way they're going about doing it i think i guess the magic did get off to a hot start at the beginning of the season but obviously that didn't last very long and i feel like for i don't know why but i feel like the magic management went about this the wrong way i think they were trying to do kind of like what the thunder have been doing and you know, accumulating as many draft picks as possible and and doing stuff like that. But 
where the Thunder have done it better as opposed to, I think, with the Magic is that the Thunder did a lot of that in the offseason when they had a lot more leverage. And, uh, and I know the Thunder had some better players, which helped them get better assets. But I think with the Magic, it was like, oh, uh, the trade deadline's coming up. Uh, we got to get rid of all these people. So it was almost like they just kind of threw them out there and then just took the first offer they got <laughs> instead of trying to maybe negotiate with other teams and try to, you know, get something better from another team or maybe do a three-team trade or something. They were just kind of like, oh, you'll give us a second rounder for this guy? Okay, we'll take it. Or you'll give us a protected first for this guy? We'll take it. Here, you can have them. And it just didn't make any sense because – between Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, and Evan Fournier, you know this isn't like a Miami big, th- Miami Heat big three or anything like that. But like these guys are all you know, pretty solid players, and the fact that for Evan Fournier they only got a player who they aren't even going to keep on the team, and uh, Jeff Teague, I believe it was, and then two second round picks. I mean that's mind-boggling to me like you couldn't even get a future first for Fournier at least and then with uh with Vooch like the you know picks are getting from the Bulls they're like top four protected now with now that the Bulls have gotten better like I I'm sure the Magic will get those picks but you know it's not even a guarantee that they're going to get those picks like you couldn't at least guarantee like an unprotected first for Vucevic who's been a you know, who's been on, been in all-star games multiple times. He's a consistent 20 and 10 guy. Like, you know, he's not the greatest center in the league, but he's still pretty good. Like, I, I felt like they could have got more for Vooch. Like, Aaron Gordon, they got a decent bit of compensation on, but I still, like, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, but wasn't the first yeah. round pick they got from that one, like, not until, like, 2025 or something like that? Yeah, it's, I was so, going to say that. It's 2025. So yeah, so they're they're not even gonna have that pick for uh uh they're not even gonna have that pick for four more years. So I don't know, man. I I felt like the Magic did a horrible job and yeah, they're gonna rebuild and it's gonna take time, but I feel like with them it's gonna take even longer than it's gonna take the Thunder. So just for me the the magic as a whole is a huge L here. I I can't disagree. Um Connor Go ahead and tell us uh, about one trade lost in your eyes. I will say one that's kind of funny is your voice is like very deep right now. (laughs) I don't know what's happening. I can like hear. I don't know. I I think I unplugged something. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Okay, I'm glad it really. I'm glad it wasn't just me that noticed that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, Eric. Oh, hold on. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave the Skype call and rejoin, okay? Okay. Yeah, well, Connor, anyway, ahead, yeah. I mean, uh, Eric pretty much covered everything about my one that I was gonna talk about, but I guess I'll just mention. I thought the you know out of all the Magic's uh, trades that they made, I feel like the Vucevic one was probably the biggest loss for them, given the fact that you know they got you know obviously they got two first round picks but one of them isn't even like if i was the magic with those picks i would have gotten like <clears throat> a 2021 and a 2022 rather than a 2021 and a 2023 i don't know i feel like vooch having the best year of his career and you can you couldn't get like back to back first round picks um you know you got wendell carter junior who is going to be you know he'll be there he's kind of just like a backup 
at best. You know, he's never been a big offensive threat. Um, you know, they already in they already have someone to fill the shoes of Vucevic and Mo Bamba. So, um, you know, I guess just keeping around for backup reasons and you know, obviously they got Otto Porter Jr., but it just seems like they did it at the wrong time. Um, you know, I think who was it when Eric, you were talking about how like, oh, you know, he you know, doing stuff how the Thunder did all their stuff during the off season. The Magic probably should have waited till the off season, especially with Vucevic, because I, I just think tra- if they had waited to trade him during the off season, they probably could have gotten a lot more for him. Give him like, okay, you know, he's uh, agreed, coming off agreed. the best. He's coming off the best year of his career. You know, he's you know still shows that he you know he's getting a little bit older, but he's still like still kind of in the prime of his career. So they could have gotten a lot more for him if they had waited till the off season. So. Just, a, just an all-around complete failure by the Orlando Magic. <clears throat> Thanks a lot, guys. I totally, uh, I totally forgot that you had Vooch as your thing. I didn't mean to like uh, steal your thunder there with the Magic. There, I, I forgot that you had picked Vooch as your L, but. <laughs> I don't know. I almost, I almost kind of got on like a mini rant there and just got that's going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's going to wrap this episode up, guys. Thank you to everybody for listening and watching. And next week, we will be back with Team Need. So we're going to be talking about the AFC. And the draft is less than a month away now. So we're going to talk about the AFC teams and where what positions those teams need to upgrade out the most. So that should be a lot of fun. And until then, guys, remember... Be clutch. Bye. See ya. Peace.